of a, a narrative all of a sudden in the book of Amos, um, and uh, kind of unusual for this kind of book, but this narrative is given, the story is told of Amos prophesying these things about Israel, and this priest in Bethel speaking out against him. You know, preachers are, not, are often not the most popular people in the world around them, are they? Uh, oftentimes, that's just kind of the way it is. They often have to preach and uh, preach to encourage people to practice holiness. And that doesn't set well with the world around us. Uh, but there was probably not a preacher who was more unpopular than Amos. Uh, he was a sheep herder from Tekoa in Judah, another land in this case here. Uh, the divided kingdom had been divided up and, and they all went their, their separate ways and they became two different countries and two different kingdoms. And here the, uh, he came to the northern kingdom of Israel to declare what God wanted them to hear. And uh, we started out uh, our reading at the tail end of a vision. I included that last verse just to kind of include the idea that he's giving a vision here. Uh, or um, it was an explanation, rather, of the vision that, uh, the third vision that Amos was declaring here. And then we see a confrontation between Amos and Amaziah, the priest at Bethel. Amaziah confronts Amos for his preaching, but Amos stands firm on what he knows is right. And we can see some very strong likenesses between Amos' situation and ours today. And like Amos, we often find ourselves coming against uh, what Amos came across. And that's Roman number one, the opponent of God. The opponent of God. And this opponent of God is a representative that was set up by the king of Israel, Jeroboam. He represented all that was wrong with Israel at this time. They had gone so far from what God designed for his people, and yet they had an outward appearance of the same things. Once you look under the surface, you see that things are not what they seem. Let's look at some of the issues we see under the surface. Number one, letter A there, we see a false prophet. The false prophet. Verse number 10, the phrase is said there, Then Amaziah the priest of Bethel. If you understand the situation that we're looking at here, we look at Bethel and we often think of um, a good place. We often think of Jacob's dream and establishing an a, 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 a altar there and calling it Bethel, uh, the house of God. And we often think of that as a good thing. But the, in this case, the king did not want the people to go to uh, Judah, to Jerusalem to worship, so he established his own places of worship. Bethel was one of those. This was not the priest that God had set up for his people. They were not doing it God's way. 1 Kings chapter 12 verse 31 tells the story of this. And he, verse 31 it says, And he made an house of high places, and made priests of the lowest of the people, which were not the sons of Levi. You understand what we're saying here? They were not supposed to be priests. They were not of the tribe of Levi. Not only that, he didn't care about their character. He picked of the lowest levels of people. They were not Levites. They were false priests. They worshipped false gods alongside sacrifices to the one true God, trying to appease their conscience about worshipping other idols. This was not God's design for his people. We see similar false representatives of God appearing around our country today. What is God's design for the pastor? 
He's to be the husband of one wife. And I believe this means that he shouldn't be divorced. At least for my life, I would rather take the safer route, the high road, if you will. If something happened to my marriage and we got divorced just by my own uh, uh, conscience, I would not seek to pastor somewhere. Because I believe that they ought to be a husband of one wife and be an example to the flock. This means also, if he's a husband of one wife, that he needs to be a man. I know that's not very popular today, but it means he shouldn't be a woman. And I'm sorry if that offends anyone today. I don't try, I'm not trying to offend anyone, but it's clear in Scripture. If any ignore this, they're ignoring God's plan for his church. Men are not better than women. They're just different roles according to what God has laid out. The Bible says that he is to be above reproach. This means that he cannot live a life where others can accuse him of unholiness. We have too many people that live one way away from church and one way at church and even pastors in this world today. They call themselves pastors but live like the world. The Bible says he must be spiritually mature. He must be a lover of good. He must be humble, gentle, peaceable, and a faithful steward of God's church. The pastor cannot be involved in spreading worldly and unholy practices. I saw a couple of videos that really troubled me lately, recently, where a a church leader was wearing a a rainbow stole over their, their robe that they were wearing, and it had big letters, LGBTQ+, written on it. And they were trying to explain away verses in the Bible that are clearly written. Now, I'm not going to, I, I'm not going to be mean. I'm not going to be rude. I'm not going to be hateful towards people. But I'm going to preach the truth of what God's Word says. There are people who sincerely believe this is true, but they're sincerely wrong. There are verses in the Bible that clearly explain what is sin. And they try to explain away by saying particular words were mistranslated. But even if, and I don't believe they were, but even if they were in the verse that they use, there are many other verses in the Bible that say the same thing. Abraham Lincoln was once asked, or was speaking in front of a crowd, and he asked the crowd, how many legs a dog has if you count the tail as a, dog, as a, as a leg? How many legs does a dog have if you count the leg? Count the tail as a leg. I was trying to repeat it so I'd get it straight, and I still got it wrong. You count the tail as a leg. The crowd answered five. Lincoln told them the answer is four. The fact that you called the tail a leg doesn't make it a leg. Amen? We don't need to be hateful. We don't need to offend purposefully. But we have to stand on the truth of the Word of God. In love, but stand for the truth. Whether we agree with it or not, by the way, God's word is God's word. My sin nature is not always going to agree with God's word because I don't like it when it tells me I'm wrong. But I still have to, by faith, say, God said it. I must be wrong because God can't be. Amen? 
We need to preach the truth in the church, whether it's popular or not. I saw a woman church leader just this last week on a video with a stole again around her neck that had the Planned Parenthood logo on the stole. She was trying to preach that abortion is not murder, but compassion. These are false priests, my friend. We don't have to hate. We don't have to be mean. No, we need to love the people around us and all people, all of them. We need to love them, but we need to speak the truth. When it comes to God's house, we must lovingly stand firm on the word of God and the plan that he has set forth for his pastors that God has revealed in his word. Stick to it. Say, but pastor, they may get to the place where we can't find any that meets the requirements. They don't have a pastor, amen? Just have laymen that stand before the people and just try to help until you find a pastor. But God will always provide. God will prepare a man to do the work that he has called, us, called for this church. Until the people of the church reject God's truth to the point to where he shuts the doors and writes anathema across the doors. As long as you are doing right as the church of God, that's you. You will always have a leader that God sends to you to preach the truth. We see in verse 10 that this false priest was number, letter B, number two, whatever you want to call it, the false report. Verse 10 says, Then Amaziah the priest of Bethel sent to Jeroboam king of Israel, saying, Amos hath conspired against thee in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear his words. Amos hath conspired, he said. Conspiring means to make secret plans jointly with other people to commit an unlawful or harmful act. Amos was not making secret plans jointly with anyone, maybe other than God. He is clearly and openly telling them what God was going to do and giving them a warning from God saying, if you don't repent, judgment is coming. There was no conspiring happening. But the false priest was giving a false report. Amaziah decided to lie and stretch the truth to make Amos look bad, and he was giving a false report. What did Amos actually say? Verse 9, it says, And the high places of Isaac shall be desolate, and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste, and I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with a sword. He didn't say, that Jerob, he didn't say at that point that Jeroboam would die but that the sword would rise against his house. But in verse 11, after Amaziah attacked the truth of God, in response, Amaziah's, uh, uh, Amos said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword. He said, you said it, not me. But yes, he will die by the sword. The true man of God that is yielded to the God's Holy Spirit will always speak the truth no matter what, no matter if it's uncomfortable, no matter if it's unpopular. But the false preacher will often twist Scripture to try to prove their belief. We should never, ever try to find a Scripture to prove what we believe. Amen? We need to believe what Scripture already says and just preach what God's Word says. Get your beliefs from what He says, not what you think you want to believe. God judged Israel because they worshipped false gods. Their leaders led them to do it. 
The king established these false worship centers and established golden idols in, God, in the worship centers that he established. Oh, how important it is to follow the right person. Amen. And thirdly, we see the false church. I took some liberty here and called it a church. Verse 10, it says, Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, the phrase there shows us the wrong place. Verse 13, it says, But prophesy not again anymore. Amaziah is speaking here, and he said, Don't prophesy anymore at Bethel, for it is the king's chapel. It is the king's court. That was the very problem right there. It was the king's chapel. It was the king's court. But it was supposed to be God's temple and the courts of God. Amen? It was supposed to be what God established, not what man establishes. Jeroboam didn't want the people to leave Israel to worship God in the other country, in the other kingdom, in Jerusalem. So he established these false centers of worship. And he mixed the worship of the one true God with false gods. 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 26 tells the story. So Jeroboam said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. He said, My kingdom's going to go away and go to the, uh, the other kingdom. Verse 27 says, If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again unto their Lord. Whoa. That says something about the heart of the king, doesn't it? They'll, they'll, their heart of the people will turn again to the Lord, even unto Rehoboam, king of Judah. And they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah. Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold, and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Oh, it's too far. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Heresy. And he set the one at Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. This thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one, and even unto Dan. Jeroboam the king established a false place of worship, false priests who shared the false gospel. God is declaring before them now that judgment is coming, not only to these false places of worship, but to the king himself, the one who led them to this sin because of his own selfishness and pride. Today we have far too many false churches out there. I'm not going to stand here and say that our church and our denomination or the churches of our fellowship and the ones that we fellowship with, uh, we're the only churches preaching the truth. I've heard that. I've heard people say there's no Bible-believing church in, in this city and we need to send somebody to this church. And then I'll look it up and there's like five Baptist churches there. But they don't, they're not their fellowship and so there's no Bible-believing church. You know, I'm not going to stand here and say that. There are many churches of varying denominations that preach the truth of the gospel. Salvation by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now beyond that, beyond the gospel, there are denominations that interpret parts of the Bible differently. And therefore, their churches begin to look and feel different. And I happen to believe that we're right, you know. But there's still gospel-preaching churches, those that believe the truth of the gospel by faith. But there are far more out there that call themselves churches who preach untruth, who preach a lie. They preach you have to work your way to heaven in order to get there. 
It's not by faith, or if it is by faith, it's faith plus works. You have to work to keep your salvation. You have to attend church. You have to be baptized as a baby. You have to take communion regularly. You have to do good works in your life so that the good outweighs the bad in their scale. And if it does, then you can go to heaven. You have to belong only to their church. Some preach that Jesus was not virgin born. If he was not virgin born, then he was born a sinner. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 22, it says, Who did no sin, neither guile found in his mouth. Neither was guile found in his mouth. He has no sin. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, For he hath, been, hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. Someone could not save us. Someone could not bring us to salvation and give us righteousness if they had sin in them to begin with. Jesus was not just born of woman, but he was also given to man, the Bible says. Unto us the Son is given. This fulfills God's plan and prophecies from the Old Testament many times over. Some churches preach what the people want to hear rather than what the gospel says or what the, what the Bible says. Some churches send out questionnaires and surveys or have polls on their, on their website to what do you want to hear preached rather than what does God want to lead the pastor to preach? 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 through 4 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They won't be able to stand it. But after their own lust, the desire, their own desires, what do you want me to preach? After their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away the, their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I don't mind if you come to me and say, you know, I sure would like to hear a sermon, a sermon on this or a, I, I don't understand this. I'd love to hear a series on that. I don't mind that. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm not going to send a questionnaire out. I want to be led by God. Amen. I want to seek him in fervent prayer. Say, do you think everything you say is directly the words of... No. The Bible is the inspired word of God. That is the words of God. Amen? Now, I'm going to do my best to rightly divide the word of truth. I'm not going to try to say something that's wrong or not what God means. I'm going to try to do my best to rightly divide this word of truth. But I've got to be honest with you. There are times that I don't even agree with myself. There are times I've said something and I go back and study a little bit further and I'm like, oh, wow, that wasn't right. I'm faulty, I'm fail, I, I fail from time to time, but I strive to do what's right. But the thing is, I want to be led by God to determine what's preached in this pulpit. They preach fresh revelation outside of Scripture. So I know the Bible says this, but God has revealed this through this way or this avenue. God has, God has given us the full revelation, complete revelation that he desires for us to have. Satan uses these false teachers to lead people astray. They often come from people who claim to hear from God a different truth than the Bible is preaching. Whether it's Joseph Smith or Ellen G. White or Benny Hinn or T.D. Jake or Joel Olstein or Cleflo Dollar or any other that preach a new revelation or a prosperity gospel. They're not preaching the word, they're preaching to the, heart, to, to the desires of people. And by the way, I don't mean to be harsh and I don't mean to be cruel. 
I don't mean to be mean in any way, but this includes the Catholic Church as well. That puts less stock in the Word of God than it does what the Pope says. We need to stick to the Word of God, what He has revealed to us. The nation of Israel is being condemned because they were following false leaders who established a false church and who were preaching a false report. Now let's see number two, the prophet of God. The opponent of God on one side, and now we see the prophet of God. When we look at the other person involved in this story, we see the true prophet of God. In Amos, we see letter A, the true prophet. Then answered Amos in verse 14, Then answered Amos and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, neither was I a prophet's son, but I was an herdman and a gatherer of sycamore fruit. And the Lord took me as I followed the flock, and the Lord said unto me, Go, prophesy unto my people Israel. Amaziah told him, Go back to Judah and eat bread and prophesy there. Amaziah speaks as if Amos was there uh, being paid for his prophecies, tailored to get uh, uh, what he said so that he could get paid. And nothing could be farther from the truth. In fact, Micah 3.5 speaks of prophets who decided what they would prophesy based upon what they would get from the people. God condemned that. But Amos tells him, I am not a prophet by trade. <laughs> That's not who I was. Nor was I a prophet's son. He didn't grow up this way. He said, I'm a herdsman. I'm a gatherer of sycamore fruit. I, I have a sycamore grove, and I gather the fruit and sell that. I was sitting, minding my own business, watching over the flock and eating fruit. <laughs> and the Lord told me to go prophesy to my people Israel. His words were actually that the Lord took me <laughs> and told me to go. Sometimes I feel that way about my call to preach. <laughs> I had my plans, and I was going to do something that I wanted to do, and God took me <laughs> and got a hold of my heart and said, no, I want you to pastor. And I had to yield to that. Amos, by the way, I said I'd do anything but pastor. Don't ever say that. Okay? But I'm so happy that I am. Amos was just minding his own business. Doing what God had called him to do at that time. By the way, God always calls the people who are already obeying him. God called him and took him and said, I want you to go prophesy in this other country and tell them I'm going to judge them. That's not fun. Amen? But he obeyed. I trust a preacher like this far more than many of the professionals out there. I don't care how many degrees you have. Did God call you to do this? Are you doing it because you don't want to do anything else? Is it just a professional choice? Or did God call you to do this? I'll take a pastor with no college degree over a stuffy know-it-all pastor who thinks they have to explain away the Bible. I'm not against anyone else calling themselves this, but I have a hard time calling myself reverend. I'm not against anyone else doing it. I guess I'm, I'm just a nobody that God uh, wants God to use him in any way he sees fit, and the title reverend just seems too formal and too high for me. And I'm not against anyone else doing it, but I just have a hard time calling myself that. I know a lot of good men who use the title, 
And like I said, there's nothing wrong with it. It just doesn't seem to fit me for some reason. I'm not a professional. I make mistakes. I'm just doing my best and trying to follow what God has called me to do. I'll take that any day of the week over leaning against your own understanding and trying to explain away what God has said to be able not to, uh, to, to not offend or to uh, try to appease other people who disagree with what the God says. I just want to be available and be used for what God wants me to do. That's what a true prophet is. That's what a true preacher is. God takes the shepherd and makes them a king. He takes the shepherd, the herdsman, and makes them a prophet. You say, well, I'm nothing special either. Well, perfect. Then God can use you too. Amen? That's who he's looking for. Amos was a true prophet because he was called by God. He told him to go, and he obeyed. He went. The true prophet went and told them, let her be the true report. Not the false report, the true report. Verse 16, he says, Now therefore hear thou the word of the Lord. He didn't speak his own word. He spoke the word of the Lord. Thou sayest, prophesy not against Israel, and drop not thy word against the house of Isaac. And we'll continue in just a minute. But this was the true report. Hear the word of the Lord. This is what God's word says. Not my opinion, not my ideas, uh, not what I think about this subject, but this is the word of the Lord. And true report only comes from the word of God itself. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.2, Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. There are many preachers that spend their time preaching philosophy or history or even psychology more than they are preaching the gospel. The true report, the true message can only come from God's word. Not my thoughts, not my opinions, not the opinions of a hierarchy over me, not the opinion of other preachers, not the opinion of other churches, not the opinion of religious books that you read, or any creeds, by the way, or anything else. The true report will come from God's revelation to man. Amos told Amaziah, you tell me not to prophesy against Israel, not drop the word of God against the house of Isaac. But I'm going to obey God and speak what he tells me to say. That's the true message. Amen. The true message will see, let her see, the true result. Amaziah will see firsthand what happens when you speak against God's representative. Amos tells Amaziah exactly what God says. And he says in verse 17, Therefore thus saith the Lord, Thy wife shall be an harlot in the city, and thy son and thy daughter shall fall by the sword, and thy land shall be divided by line, and thou shalt die in a polluted land, and Israel shall surely go into captivity forth of his land. His wife, he says, will end up being a prostitute in the city. His sons and daughters will die in battle. The land that he owns will be divided up by a measuring line, a measuring reed, which is uh, normally six cubits or about ten feet. His land will be split up, split up into tiny little parcels. And you, Amaziah, God tells him, you yourself will die in a polluted land. Most likely speaking of him being taken captive to a Gentile country, and there he'll die. 
He reiterated there at the end, Israel shall go into captivity from this land. Judgment is coming if we don't repent. I have very little doubt. We're not told. It ends the story. The narrative ends there. And he continues telling the visions that God gives him. I have very little doubt, though, that Amaziah probably scoffed at Amos and blew him off. But as each of the prophecies began to unfold and come true, Amaziah must have realized Amos, that prophet, that troublemaker, his prophecy was true. The result is true. Far too often people get mixed up in the wrong things. It may sound like the real thing, but there's only enough truth to make it look real. But digging a little deeper, you find it's not right. My wife's family were helped greatly by a, a group of Mennonites. And it was very attractive to my father-in-law. And he was saved as an adult and saved out of the world. And he knew righteousness was right and, and wickedness was wrong. And he wanted so badly for his kids to live a righteous life. And the Mennonite church was attractive to him. And so he uh, saw their lifestyle and it must seem to be right. But the longer that they went to the church, the more they began to realize something's not right here. They're good people. But it stopped being about grace and it ended up being about works. I know a young man who was, had just been converted from a non-denominational church that, uh, 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 that taught um, the Bible and somehow got wrapped up on things that he was reading online and ended up converting to the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church centuries ago left behind the truth. I hope he sees the truth soon. I knew a young lady that got saved and attended a church a few times and was approached by a couple of young men that wanted to do a Bible study with, with her family. And as they came and met with her and her family, everything sounded good, but soon things began to show up in the studies that just didn't sit well. And soon she realized that these Mormon missionaries believed things that did not line up with what she was being taught and what she was learning in church every Sunday. Things like the doctrine of eternal progression, where the men can eventually become gods themselves with their own kingdom planet and generate their own spirit children who will one day become human subjects. This is just plain heresy, never revealed in Scripture. Or the God the Father was once a man on another planet. Or that God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are three separate gods that used to be men. This idea of eternal progression is the same lie that started in the Garden of Eden. You can be like God, Satan told Eve. And there are similar false doctrines and truths from every false religion that comes from additional revelations. Many of them will hold to the Bible and say, oh, we believe the Bible just like you do. But also let's look at the Book of Mormon. Let's look at the Pearl of Great Price. Let's look at our version of the Bible. Let's look to see what our leader says. Stick to the Bible, amen? And you'll see the true results. It's dangerous to be led astray by someone who's getting their truth from somewhere other than God. 
By the way, there is no their truth. There's no such thing. There's truth and there's a lie. Amen? I accidentally misspoke there. Whether it's Jehovah's Witness or Seventh-day Adventist or Mormon or Catholicism or any other gospel, God says in Galatians 1, And though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. You think God is serious about this? It brings judgment. This word accursed is the word anathema. It means to be given up and devoted to destruction. Which one speaks the truth? The one who preaches the word of God and only from the word of God. The one that the world doesn't agree with most of the time. Usually that's a good sign that you're on the right track. The one who speaks even if it is uncomfortable and unpopular, but is willing to speak the truth. Read your Bible yourself. Don't just be spoon-fed. At least you better know what's on that spoon. Amen? Pray continually. Ask God to reveal if there's any false teaching that you've been listening to or hearing, even from this pulpit. Pray and say, God, if there's anything that's untrue according to your word, or if I see something in God's word that's not right, I invite you to come talk to me. I don't want to preach false, and I promise you this. I'll commit to you this. I'll go to the Lord and seek to see if I was wrong. Sometimes it's just a misunderstanding, but I promise you I'll seek to find out if what I said was wrong or not. Well, back I was, began listening to a preacher. He had a pretty big church, and it was fast-growing. His preaching style was dynamic and exciting. He had some good truths. It really helped me through the difficult time I was going through at the time. Pretty soon, I began to hear him say things that did not line up with what I read in the Bible. He began to twist scriptures to fit his sermon. He began to go off on politically motivated topics that had nothing to do with the Bible. It was more like a political rally than a church service sometimes. He began reading one verse and then began preaching all kinds of other things the verse never even said. It was exciting. It was bombastic. It was motivational speech. But that was pretty much it. We need to preach the whole counsel of God. Amen. I really, don't, I really didn't want to do this series. I've told you that. I read through Amos over and over and over and over, and I kept going back to God and saying, Are you sure? Amos? But the truth is, we need to hear its message. Things Amos dealt with in the nation of Israel is very similar to what we're dealing with in our nation. A false representation of the gospel. False preachers and teachers. A place that is called a church, but is not the church of the living God, because it has mixed the Bible with other gods. What are you going to do? Who are you going to listen to? I'll tell you what you need to do. Just like me, you need to get into the Bible more and more than you ever have before. 
read, study, meditate, memorize, so that you can spot a counterfeit when it comes along. You'll be able to see something's not quite right here. We need to walk circumspectly, the Bible says. That means looking in all directions because the devil is sly. And he'll even use religion to steer you away from the truth. Which one speaks the truth? The one that was sent by God, Jehovah. The one who speaks for the one true God and him alone. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today, Lord, and help us, Lord, to firm up what we believe through your word and your word alone. Father, the worst thing that I fear is that someone would say when asked a question, says, well, my pastor says this. I don't want him to say my pastor says this. I want him to say the word of God says this. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to get into the word of God, our whole source of truth. May we be faithful to preach your word faithfully and truly and speak the truth, even if it's uncomfortable. But Lord, as you tell us in your own word, to speak the truth in love, with compassion, with a heart of concern and a prayer and a love for others, that they would hear the truth. I pray that you would speak to our hearts today and help us, Lord, to do business if there be any area where we have gone astray or began to listen to somebody that is not sticking to your word. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see the truth according to your word and your word alone. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing one verse of invitation here.